everybody. Welcome back to All the Things with Luke Tim. I am Luke Tim, and I just want to say thanks to everybody who's listening. I keep bumping into people who tell me that they're listening, and I just think that's awesome. So I appreciate it. And boy, today today is no letdown. Well, let me tell you, the guy that I talked to, his name is Matthew Schnoor. Uh, he's a brother of one of our members here at Living Faith, and just talking to his sister, she was like, man, you should talk to my brother. Um, so I didn't. I tried to know very little about him. I only knew that he does jail ministry, and I knew that he was going off as a full-time missionary somewhere. But I didn't. I didn't want to get too much into it because I wanted. I wanted you to meet him like I'm meeting him. So that's what this really is. Uh, one unfortunate note: uh, we, we got just past two hours on this thing, um, and uh, my computer just quit. So it's all there. Um, we wrapped up shortly after that. It, this is plenty. Two hours is. A plenty of a podcast So, man I hope you enjoy this as much as I enjoy Talking to him, because this is a better person Than than me and you And I don't even know you, but I know he is Because, uh, well, you'll figure this out In a minute, this guy is amazing So, without further ado, uh, please welcome My new friend, Matthew Schnorr Thanks Yeah, pull that mic real close Right up on it, like this I know, it's so weird, but <coughs> The goal is always just to pretend like it's not even there and, and just have a conversation. And sure. So, um, Matthew or Matt, or do you care? It's Matthew. Matthew. Okay. I don't really care, but my given name is Matthew. Oh, yeah. I like, I have a brother named Matt, and I have a, my best friend in the world's name, Matt, so I always end up accidentally calling every Matthew Matt. So no, no. If I is. do, I apologize. Just don't call me late for dinner. Right? <laughs> well, it's good to meet you, man. I've, I've been hoping to get you on here for a while because um, your sister was tell me a little bit about you and you sound like you've got an incredible story. So I, I just kind of want to hear your story. I know, I know you do prison ministry. I know you've got other things coming up. Um, so, and, and we've not met, which is awesome that we just get to know each other on mic. I think that's going to be fun. So, yeah. um, where's your story begin? I guess uh, to be honest with you, it's really not my story. It's God's story in my life. Right. And I think that's everybody's. Yeah. You know, how does God use us and where does it start? And so, God had a plan for my life. He blessed me with cerebral palsy, you know? And it's a weird if people always give me that eye like blessed you? Really? <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, and it took a long time. You know, many years of my life to structure this up. You know, you pray, say, Why am I like this? Yeah. You know? You don't want to go through middle school and high school being made fun of and, and these kind of things and you're like, I who am I? Right. That's the question, right? And it takes a long time for you to, 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 to know who God is, to know who you are in him. And so God revealed that through my cerebral palsy yeah, that I can't do this alone. So knowing God and understanding God gave you the definition of who you are. It, yeah, H- hands down. Seems like that's almost biblical. <laughs> it is, isn't it, right? <laughs> and so it's hard to, to say it's a blessing. But as I look back in my life and as I've grown, you know, I have children that don't see people for disabled, non-disabled. Yeah, right. They're just people. They have a servant's heart where they'll open a door for someone. My children will serve me because dad is dad. Right. As I go to the grocery stores and, and the malls and I sit down, people will come up to me and ask me, what's wrong with you? Uh, that is such a, a blessing because they care. Right. right. Yeah. They could just walk by, but they're curious. Right. And God has given me an opportunity to share his grace in my life 
and to share with them. That is cool. It, yeah. it took a long time when you're young and somebody says, well, what's wrong with you? Nothing. You get this attitude like, what's wrong with you? Yeah, right? <laughs> but as you grow, you say, you know what? We're all moving. Yeah. Are we moving towards God or away from God? And, you know, and that was, it took a long time to structure up. It wasn't easy, right? Yeah, I bet. I bet. But as I look back on my life, and I have a twin brother that doesn't have cerebral palsy. And so the correlation between the two, hmm. you know, and the blessing that he was in my life and my sisters. Yeah. Both, you know, the structure up. Who are you? Yeah. So from there, um, high school on from there, what's, what, where did the story go? Well, um, I, I'm a, I got married really young, 18. My wife's name is Patience, so I married my high school sweetheart. Yeah. I always say, you know, I don't have any patience. That's why I married <laughs> Right. Right? I, was, I had like four jokes in my yeah, head. Yeah, yeah. Fruit, fruits of the spirit. Yeah. Right. Patience, you know, scratching that one off. I married that. I got that one. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, God is – I always tell people. You know, there are people out there that God gives common sense to and wisdom and strength. I'm not that guy. Yeah. God says, Snore, you are a moron. So here is your wife. I'm going to help you out, you know, because you just can't do it on your own. I'm going to intercede for you. Other people, they say, you know, search, seek, knock. Find that one that God has for you. Yeah. What you want in your life. And God did that for me at a young age. Yeah, complimentary is, is – I always tell people you don't want to marry yourself. You know, you don't want to find somebody who's got the same talents and abilities and, and sees the world the same as you. That's no good. You, you want to have complementary values and, and – under, I mean same values but complementary talents and abilities. And- I tell my children, who makes you love Christ more? Mm-hmm. That's who you want to marry. Who builds you up in Christ and says, listen, be more godly. Right. That's who you want to have on your team when you're down and out and in the mud knee deep, you know, and crying and saying, I can't do this. You can. And let me help you. Right. That's what I think marriage is all about, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. God bless me. So you guys got married, had a couple kids? I did. I have a a son that is 19. His name's Colton. And I have a daughter that's 15, Gracie. Awesome. And so uh, to watch them grow in their faith uh, is awesome. Colton got back from Caravan Ministries uh, from Mexico. He was building some houses, and what they do is they they build houses for the poor down there. So he's got a heart for ministry. And uh, my daughter just got a job, first job at McDonald's. Yeah. So I'm getting close. I'm to the finish line. Shoo, shoo. Go do your thing, guys. I can't wait for that day, but it's a ways off. My my youngest, I have have six kids. Three of them are triplets, and they are four years old. So I've got three four-year-olds in my house. Yeah, and you still have your hair. Yeah. And you look good. That's awesome. <laughs> well, I chase them around a lot. That's kind yeah, of how stay that healthy. works. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but yeah, it's. Um, I'm looking forward to that finish line. <laughs> I can't wait. Yeah. Uh, patience and I, you know, we have finished the race. We have kept the faith, and, and sometimes, you know, uh, when they've got your favorite plate that's in four pieces, or, yeah. or the, the 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 cranberry juice that's on the carpet, yeah, it is a. A test, right? Absolutely. Okay, guys. Maybe cranberry <laughs> juice was not the greatest idea. <laughs> right. And uh, tell me then, like, uh, what's your ministry like? What's, um, what you doing? Well, I uh, – you had mentioned it before. 
prison ministry and jail ministry are two different things. I do jail ministry. Oh, okay. And I'm a, an assistant chaplain to Jerry Van Cleef out of the Polk County Jail. Yeah. And so uh, he has allowed me in his grace to, to come in and teach a Bible study, and I teach a Bible study on Mondays okay. um, for an hour. So and for so, those who don't understand, but don't mean to interrupt, but look, the difference between jail and prison. Okay. Uh, prison. Those guys have been convicted yeah. and are serving out their terms. People that are in jail, for whatever reason, innocent, guilty, or in between, mm-hmm. we're, we are innocent till we're proven guilty, right? right. So there might be just a confusion, sure. and they have to go sort it out. And so there's a spectrum between the, the guilty and the innocent, all in jail, and everything in between. Right, right, you know, right. I'm here because there's a mess up in my paperwork. I'm here because... I did something that I shouldn't have. Right. And, and all, everything between. And so that's the, the, the neat dynamics of Polk County Jail is it is so fast-paced and so moving. And yeah. it is just a blessing to work there. The people smile. And uh, it's really been a blessing in my life. Yeah. Uh, so what's that like when, when you go in to do uh, your Bible study with, in the jail? i got to be honest. When it first started, it was kind of daunting. You know, you're like, <laughs> um, who are you going to meet? Mm-hmm. Are they going to be receptive? Um, you know, everything, all the the above, right? Mm-hmm. And it, and with me, still at forty, you know, with that disabled uh, being disabled, you always have that self confidence. Mm-hmm. You know, are they going to like me? Am I going to like them? Is everything going to go smooth? Mm-hmm. Right? And so you have that apprehension, and you know, God bless me in that. You what we walk by faith, yeah, and we have that spirit in us that moves us by faith and say. You know, God loves these people. Yeah. And it is awesome uh, to, you know, because some of them are ready, right? Uh, we talk about it, that the, that the best part of them got them where they're at. Right. Are they happy with it? If they're good with it, then I'm good with it, mm-hmm. right? But if they're not, I've got a secret to tell them. And it's not a secret, right? right. It's the gospel. The I worst to, kept secret yeah, ever. The worst kept secret ever, right? But it is. Yeah. I, right. I know. And so as we think of uh, America as being a Christian nation, do they know Christ? I, I personally don't think nations can be Christian. Yeah. I think people can be Christians. Yeah. It's a, it's a false concept, right? Yes. And yeah. so uh, you say, wow, where have you guys been? Uh-huh. You don't know the name of Jesus Christ? No, who is that? Uh, I know. And your eyes light up, and you're like, oh, let me tell you. Right. No, I know. And it. so we were talking about this a little bit before the podcast started. This this whole idea of um, Christians, especially in America, and suffering, I, I feel like that's one of the biggest issues with the, the conservative Christian right, the evangelicals, of trying to make our country more and more Christian is um, to have less and less suffering. I I just don't see anywhere in Scripture that we ought to be avoiding suffering. That we should be seeking it, seeking it, and not only that, but we have joy in it and through it. And Paul, you know, so Paul, you know, through the Corinthians and Romans, he, he talks about this suffering. We can't deny that uh, the poor, the mistreated, the suffering is where our heart is called to. Yeah. You know, and, and Scripture says, Luke nine twenty three, take up your cross daily mm-hmm. and follow me. And so we can't deny this idea of suffering. And how do we? How can we have joy in it? Yeah, yeah. You know, our life is just but a breath, but eternity is forever. And so when we look at the aspects of that, what suffering 
is there really? Yeah. And I, so that's why I was saying earlier is I don't think you can have joy unless you experience suffering because joy is this, I always contrast, in fact, in my sermon um, for a wedding I'm doing this weekend, I'm actually going to use the difference between happiness and joy. Joy is this thing that is long suffering. You know, joy is this thing that is ongoing in the face of adversity. So how do you know that and test for that if you don't even experience that? You know, you've, you've got to have, you have to encounter it some way, somehow. So in my opinion, you've got to, and that's kind of why I, I noticed I have a gap in, in um, I speak of it in terms of a gap that I just, I've never really experienced a lot of suffering uh, or tragedy. And I mean, I've, that's a blessing. Right. We, Amen. We have. Amen. And so you <laughs> we concur. Like, wow. Uh, that is a blessing, right? Yeah. And so how do we say God has blessed me in my life, but I continue to put myself on the edge, right? Right. And it's something in us that's not normal. Right. But I, I, I look at this and I see these environment and policemen, right? There's yeah. people that say it's not natural to run towards fire. Right. Right. And so God says, listen, these guys are in trouble. Mm-hmm. Will you run towards the fire? Right. Right? And, and so as we learn and grow in our identity, the easiness to, to, to run towards that suffering yeah. makes it so much easier for us. Yeah. I mean, what is truth? Where do we define truth? And if this is true, then what? Right. Right? And the deeper my foundation goes in truth, then what is my life? Right. I like the, you know, Second uh, Corinthians uh, uh, one verse three. You know, the God of all comfort, and, and he talks about, you know, God. All the comfort comes from God, but then why does suffering come? And he says, well, because as we suffer together, also will come the comfort. Mm-hmm. How can I, as Christians, how do we choose to suffer through sicknesses and and go in places to get sick? Mm-hmm. Well, I'll tell you what it's like. You can tell me what it's like to have a disability, and I'll tell you what it's like to to run a church. Right. And we'll both and, – and I'll say, you did really close. Yeah. You were all, <laughs> okay. Dude, you were okay. You're doing good. Uh-huh. But you missed it just by a little bit. And so unless God allows us to, to join in this suffering, yes, how do we really – no. Exactly. That's why when I when I recognized that gap in my ministry and my experience in life, I started looking for it. I've started looking for suffering. And um some of that's like a physical, like I try and, and physically suffer sometimes. Um and it I mean it obviously has the benefits. I like working out, is kind of what I'm saying. And and I yeah. like I like going in a sauna. Um I don't like the hot at all. I, I would prefer to live in the Arctic Circle. I mean, that's my comfort zone is cold and snow. But like to, to sit in a sauna and you get to like 30 minutes and you're like, oh, I got to get out of here. I like that. Um, I like that feeling of, of almost panic. But yeah, that's kind of what drew me to, to foreign mission in Africa. Um, we go to Kenya here. I'm leaving Wednesday <laughs> to go to Kenya. Um, I'll, I'll go again in July. I go a couple times. Well, I usually go once a year, but this year I'm going twice. And um, it's not the same as as suffering. But I here's what pisses me off. <laughs> when, when Christians go to a foreign country and they see that suffering and they stay detached from it, 
enough that they, they see it as sad and they feel bad about it and they try and do a little bit about it, but then they leave. There's a difference between that and you enter into somebody's suffering and you just sit with them and share that suffering and suffer with them. And I think that a lot of a lot of Christian missionaries, they do good. I'm, I'm not saying don't go on a mission. I'm just saying, man, you want to go and be able to step in and, and sit with people and share their sorrows and their suffering. Um, so I understand it better now. We, we miss that intimacy, right? Yep. You know, and, it, and it's hard on a short-term mission trip. It is. You know, to, to, to engage. But I think... Jesus, it's interesting in John 17, out of everything that he could have prayed for, it's one of the last prayers that he's praying before he ascends into heaven. And he prays his prayer. And it's funny. And if you read the verse, look at what he doesn't pray for. Mm. Right? He doesn't pray for provision. He doesn't pray for people's salvation. He doesn't pray for all these needs that the 12 disciples are going to need. Because they're starting the church. I mean, he's sending right. 12 people out to change the world. He prays for unity. He says, I love you. And I love the Father. And I glorified the Father because I did what he told me to do. Yeah. There's an, a level of obedience. Yep. Right? Suffering. Mm. I can't do what I want to do. Mm. I have mm. to do what God tells me to do. Mm-hmm. Regardless of the cost. Regardless of the cost. And then he says, I, I, I'm in him and him in me, and I want you in me. In this intimacy that he says, since the, since the foundation of the world, right. intimacy. And he wants that for us as the church in unity. And so as we have this unity and grow in this, it's funny to me that that's what he prayed for. Mm-hmm. I mean, it wasn't need-based. It wasn't to ease our suffering. It wasn't to even evangelize. Now, he, he mentions, pray. I don't pray for you. I pray for the people that are going to get the message through you. Right. That's an interesting prayer also. Yeah, and this, I, th- that, I think it's the same concept that I work with um, couples getting married. I say, look, I can sit down and we can work on a couple of tools for your marriage, mm-hmm. but and I, I can maybe identify some tools you need now. But in 15 years, you're going to need a different tool. So I'm, I'm not here to tell you I can predict the future and tell you that, you know, you're going to go through this and you're going to go through that and here's what you're going to need. So what I try and do is is give them skills to find the tools. And a, a big part of that, I think, is mentorship in marriage, um, being connected to a congregation. That's the stuff. So in 10 years, when you need a different tool, you can go get one and you can figure it out. And I think that's Jesus's prayer, right? He's saying unity. Because if, yeah. if he gives a list of here's what you're going to need, that yeah. prayer is several hours, hours long. long. <laughs> right? He's yeah. Like, Dude, love each other. Yeah. Love like the Father loved me. I love you. And uh, and so when we talk about short-term missions or we talk about marriage, or we, it, it applies, right? Yep. How do I connect with you on a spiritual level? Right. We talked about Peace and joy and suffering and the joy that only to, – to know someone. Mm-hmm. Dude, we are brothers in Christ and I care. Exactly. To get that connection. Am I willing to suffer for Christ? You know, grab your cooler of water, right, and mm-hmm. walk up and down the street. 
right? Mm-hmm. And so it's interesting. You see it time and time again in the Bible where uh, Paul, you know, says, you know, for for you guys that have the message, we honor you. Mm-hmm. But us, as the disciples, we're a spectacle to the world. Yeah. Right? We're cast to lions. We're burned alive. We, you know, we're like the dirt that people scrape off their shoes. Yep. I mean, he uses that terminology, but I, he's given us life. And so how are we that guy mm-hmm. to another person, another Christian that's in need and say, I, I, I love you. Yeah. And I'm going to go through this with you. Yep. Together. And that's that's the key. That's the difference between sympathy and empathy, right? Yeah. And and just to be willing to pull alongside somebody and be like, all right. And that's it's easy. You can be sympathetic to thousands of people. But boy, you can only really empathize with a handful because you're you're entering into their life. And it's way more nobody wants somebody to feel sorry for them, but no. everybody wants somebody to be there with them. It's different. And so you know, those sicknesses that we have, right, cancer and, and disabilities and all these things, nobody prays for that. I mean, that's, nobody's asking no, for that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but you can see how God can use these things through joy and empathy and say, you know what? I was sick and, mm-hmm. and I used it. Yeah. I used it for the glory of God. Right. And it's... You know, God is just so awesome, and it makes me giggle and laugh because as the devil is trying to tear us apart, we're using the arrows he shoots to us to do God's work. Yes. And so I just know that that just irritates him to no end. <laughs> right. And it, it makes me smile. Yeah. Right? You, you intended it for evil, and God used it for good. For good. Right. You can't break me because I'm already broken. Mm-hmm. You can't kill me. Because I'm already dead. I died on a cross when I accepted Christ. Right. So what does a dead man want to eat? What does a dead man want to wear? What does a dead man owe? Right. Nothing. I died with Christ. And so we look at freedom that the gospel gives us. Yeah. I am truly free. Right. And I think that's a a common misconception. I, I know it was my misconception. I was... I was such a baby Christian for so long because, I mean, I just, I grew up in a house where faith ha- is is so intergenerational. I mean, you, you, you'd you have to go back a long ways to find somebody who wasn't a part of the church in my family. So faith has just always been there, and it's always been kind of easy. And I, ne- I just never understood that concept that um, the gospel is freedom. I, I took it for granted. The, the gospel is this, you know, it's this thing that's really good news, except for all the stuff I can't do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? <laughs> right. But, you know, and I, I was just working with some uh, college-age kids uh, at a camp doing a little bit of theolo- theological training. And I, I said, you know, some people, they look at the box, the you know, the boundaries of, of God's will, and they, they see it as though it's confining and I go, I see it as such freedom. I mean, think of it in terms of like a high fence, you know, and, and you're you're a gazelle in there. You know, are, is that gazelle free? Well, you'd be like, oh, it's stuck behind the fence. Well, what if there's lions on the other side of the fence? <laughs> then, then you're really much more free inside the boundaries. You know, and it's, it's you know, I don't mean to butcher this uh, 
Paul, I believe, says all things are permissible through Christ, but not all, all things, things are, are beneficial. Pro- uh, uh, yeah, profitable. Yeah, right. And so the freedom that he's saying, listen, through Christ, we can do anything and everything. We can eat what we want. We can pray where we want. We can do these things, but it costs you. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Not all things are profitable. Yeah, you know, to spend some time in prayer and say, listen, is this profitable for the gospel mm-hmm. why am i doing it am i doing it because a neighbor wants me to do it or am i doing it you know the old adage yeah if your friends dropped off a bridge would you, would you join you know jump <laughs> off too and so that freedom you know and when we look at the old testament and look at the the 600 laws over 600 laws that they had attained to that god set in place you know, and Christ wiped that out. Yeah. He says, how, how do you want to serve me? You know, this is exciting. We're in a, a age of Christianity with technology. Mm-hmm. And how can we serve? And I, I'm reading my Bible off my iPhone. And, and it's just awesome, awesome right? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and when we were kids, if we didn't have the King James Version Bible, you were like, dude, what are you reading? Mm-hmm. And so God, and, and then we look at these freedoms and, and we see this. And what is the gospel, you know? Yeah. That's freedom. And how do we serve? Do you want a guitar? Do you want a banjo? Do you want drums? How are you going to praise the Lord? Yeah. This freedom that we have is really amazing. Yeah, and I I think we, we have this tendency to, to look for ways, because um, I, I think because of sin, well, this is Romans, right? We're, we're born slaves. And what's great with um, what I think Paul is saying is that you can, you have a choice, kind of that you know you're a slave to the world or a slave to Christ. Those are the two different options. Slave to the world, nobody can claim that they're not because even the person who says I am a slave to nobody is just a slave to their own passions. I do whatever I want. Oh, so your carnal nature is yeah. your master. So yeah. you're still a slave. But Christ as the slave master, boy, I'm all for that. Yeah, <laughs> Sign me up. You know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's hard, right? Because um, when we think of that idea of giving our freedom away, especially as Americans, right? Mm-hmm. It's independent. You see the iconic cowboy, right? I'm independent. I can go my own way. I can make my own way in the world. And to say that's not biblical. Yeah. Right. I just wrote a sermon. Um, it's for next Sunday that says no cowboy Christians. Really? Yeah. No, Proverbs 18 one says anyone who um, uh, seeks isolation, seeks out his own desires and it goes out against all sound judgment. Right. And so we're looking about this isolation versus church. And, and listen, we are better together. Uh, yes, absolutely. And so and there's freedom in this. Yeah. There's a ton of freedom, and I, I do struggle with it. Um, one of the other topics that came up is um, I, I'm i the kind of guy I've just always been more comfortable in a more relaxed and, I would say, secular setting than a formal Christian-type setting. It sounds – that's not a good way to describe it. And what I'm saying is I like to have fun, be loose, and the stigmatism of church is sit down, button up. And, and chill out, I don't jive with that. And a big part of, of um, just who I am, just the way I talk, the, the way I live my life, often people question, like, are you, is that what a pastor would do? Like my language, for instance, I'm off, I often 
drop an F-bomb or something with, with mm-hmm. a few people. And um, I do on this podcast every now and then. But it's – so they were asking me, you know, why is that okay? And I said, well, I don't know if it is okay. What I, what I can tell you is I can, I can name a bunch of people – who are much more comfortable talking to me because I I just try and be regular and just try and connect with them. And guys guys that I hang out with at the bar who are great guys and not necessarily active in a church or in faith, but they know I'm a pastor, they know they can talk with me, they'll know I I'll do a shot with them if they want to and we hang out and I'm, I'm bringing a message to a place where a lot of Christians don't. Well, I think that's biblical, right? I mean, in Jesus's times, they, the, they were, the Pharisees were upset because Jesus was spending time with a tax collector. The vulgar things he did. You know, and the vulgar things that he did, right? And it was their worldview. This is something that we didn't do. Right. You know? And so as it's not about perfection, it's about direction, right? I, I try not to curse or, 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 or use vulgar language, but I, I got to tell you, when I drop the safe on my toe, it, 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 it's it hard, right? Happen. It might It is. It, you know, yeah. I, I'm a sinner. Yeah. You know, and so I recognize that, and that's why I confess my sin and say, God, forgive me and wash this out of my life. Right? Yeah. I want to be just like Christ. Yeah. I'm that, not there. But I want to be. Right. And then in that aspect, do I go where Christ goes? I have to follow him. So where did he go? Let's look, open the Bible and see where he spent most of his time. Did he go to the church? He did. He went to the synagogue and he, and he preached and he prayed there. But where was most of his time spent? In, in the country with the folks, with the sinners, with the regular Joes. In life. Yeah. Doing life. Teaching them. Giving them life. Right. And so we see it time and time again with the Samaritan woman at the well. And we miss the concepts of this because we're not in that culture and we don't understand what's going on. But for what he did, you know, the patriarchs of the Jews were like, oh, no, he didn't. <laughs> no, he didn't. Right? Yep. He did. Because the gospel is that powerful. Yeah. And so as we look at, you were talking about a church, an American church. I would love for you to go to Korea. You know, it's worldview and how we serve God. Not every church, you know, they've structured it up in their worldview of how it is to praise God. Every tribe, tongue, and nation. Yeah. You know, make a joyful noise. And so the Korean church you'd be much more comfortable with because they pray all at once. Yeah. You know, all out together, you know, and they're dancing and, and praising God and and so as we look at the American church of 1940s and 50s, you know, you sit in your pew. Uh-huh. The guy speaks to us, and, and we listen, right? Uh-huh. And we get up and leave. Uh, I've had the, the blessing of going to a couple of different places in the world and seeing how they serve. And from like the American church, right? You sit mm-hmm. down and you do this to where, uh, you know, um, some of the churches in Southeast Asia, They'll answer back. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a, it's a, you know, right. And, and so, and they praise and, and the music that they play, and it's a whole different idea of yeah. worship. And I think that glorifies God. Uh, that's happened to me before when I was in uh, Africa preaching. Um, so 
this guy is, is um, translating for me. And that, that in itself is hard if you're preaching yeah. and somebody's translating because like you're trying to keep your train of thought. So I'm already kind of in this – it's a clunky message. That's just the way it's going to be, clunky, clunky, clunky. And we're, we're getting through it and then I asked a rhetorical question. Yeah, no such thing in Africa. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're just screaming out the answers. So yeah, they're screaming back <laughs> answers, and now all of a sudden the interpreter is interpreting their answers to me, and I'm like, oh, do they think I'm going to do something with their answers? <laughs> like, I yeah. don't. Oh, this just turned into something else. <laughs> you know. So that was a terrible sermon. It didn't go well. But I've since learned how to deliver a message in a culture I'm not familiar with with a translator, and I'm getting better at it. But it's not. It's not easy. But the same sort of thing. I, I call it um, just sort of divinely messy, you know? The, the service is – I think our heritage is this Western European um, organized, uh, straight-laced. I think that's – I think that people – some people think that way. And so the message is delivered well to them in that mentality. Cool at that. But over there, it's, it's a different culture and a different mentality and – that just sucks the life out of them. So they just get up and dance and move, and it's cool. Yeah, Paul says, I'm all things to all men, right? <laughs> and so how do we give the message? It's how the person needs the message. Yep. Right? And so as he went into the Greece, the unknown God, right? Mm-hmm. So the guys are intelligent. And let me tell you about this. Unknown yeah. God. I know him. Right, and so as the message, the message doesn't change, but the delivery of that message can yeah. can go in, out, left, right, up, down, and sideways. Right, right, because that is the the universality. I don't even know if that's a word of of the gospel. Right, <laughs> call it. I mean, that's yeah. How awesome the gospel is, and so it is. So uh, it just it's. Mind blowing, right? I have often entertained this thought, and I'm not done with this thought, so it's still not finished, you know, and I'm working it out. But the nature of the gospel is maybe the only thing that is so universal. Um, Because, I mean, physically, people are different. Well, everybody loves. Yeah, I don't know if that's true. I mean, I, I think some people are born broke in a way that they don't, you know, whether it's mental illness or. Well, we, we yeah. know biblically that that's true, right? Yeah, we're born broken. Yeah, absolutely, right? and lost. And and when we talk about the gospel, well, what are we really talking about? We're talking about absolute truth. Yeah, and so truth is truth, no matter how you spin it, flip it, change it, dress it up. Truth right. is truth, and false is false. false. And so we see this. And so, why is the the gospel? So transparent against every nation, people, tribe, because it's true, mm-hmm. right? And so that's why it's so interchangeable. Because we know God created as a portion of His Spirit in us that we do can recognize truth, right? And we see it, right? Yeah. And so as we look at the gospel, why is it so easily translated between ethnic groups of people? Because it's true. Yeah. I think the um it's it's the inverse forget of the, that, right? You yeah. know, like it's the inverse of the gospel, I think, is what what really is beneficial. Um and this kind of goes back to our earlier conversation. The only I mean the old adage, the only things you can really count on are death and taxes. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, not everybody pays taxes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like so maybe. Ask Willie Nelson how that went. Um but instead it's this 
what what is really true is everybody knows that death is a problem and there there just isn't a solution well except for this one thing that we know and we can tell people so i, I think that the universal truth of the gospel is the resolution of the universal truth of the problem of death and there's almost nothing else that everybody has in common, right? Except for that we're all going to die. Well, we use this idea, this mankind, right? This universal term. And Mm -hmm. we are mankind. So we are of one kind, the Bible teaches, right? And so we are all descendants of Adam and Eve, Mm -hmm. right? And we are mankind. So there's a universal connection that we have because we are of one kind. And so this solution fits us in our kind. Yep. And so it's fascinating how God created us <laughs> Truly. to serve, to love, you know, the, the beauty of mankind and the wickedness of mankind all in one. Yeah. Right? It's complicated. It is complicated. We are complicated critters. <laughs> because we're made in the image of God mm-hmm. who is complicated. Extremely <laughs> complicated. Right? Who knows the depths of God? Yeah. Right. And this is why we like the story of Job, you know, as he's going through the whole story of his life, right? And it's interesting at the end of the book, he doesn't give you the answer of why the righteous suffer. I know. <laughs> you know, you, you know, it builds up, right? You're like, dude, he's finally going to get to why he's Every doing American this assumes this there's a good end. Right? Right? <laughs> right? Yeah. That there's a reason why yeah. Job is suffering, and let's hear it. And and it just blows your mind. You're like, what? Yeah. Because he says, Job, where were you? Yeah. When I put the stars in the sky. Yeah. Shut Job. your pie hole. Yeah. <laughs> I'm God. You're not. The just will live by faith. Mm-hmm. Trust me, I got you. Yep. Whatever that looks like. Can we? Can we trust him in any situation and in our lives? Right. And so this is where, you know, we took a long way around in the circle, but this is where it goes back to suffering and and. And through anything and everything, and how do I walk by faith when yeah. it's dark? I'll, I'll be honest. I I get nervous sometimes because I I worry. So I don't I don't buy into the garbage that you know um, God only gives you what you can handle. No, He gives you things you can't handle so that you must rely on Him. Amen. Right? Amen. That's right. Kind of awesome. But you know, I, I haven't gone through a lot of storms, <laughs> so I'm like. Well, Come on. I'm not asking for trouble. I'm just yeah. saying, like, you know, I I worry that it's a blind spot. Like, am I – so I'm, I'm just constantly working on that. I want to be able to connect with people who are suffering or who, who are going through a storm and part of me gets nervous. So here's my, here's my working theory is in my endeavors to connect with people like that, I've, I've met just so many people who have gone through storms that what I'm really kind of doing now is connecting dots. So, and this kind of matches up with my occupation, right? I, I sit back and, um, you know, this, this guy, um, uh, you know, for example, if, if somebody who's an alcoholic, um, been in recovery for a while falls off the wagon, guess what? I know a guy and I, I'm going to have him call you. So I'm, I can't give you that perspective of alcoholism, fell off the wagon, try and get clean again, but I know a guy who can. So I'm I'm becoming almost like this this disciple matchmaker. Yeah, <laughs> that's cool, man. It is cool, you know, in the aspect that God uses His people, mm-hmm. right? He says, <laughs> oh, 
I'm going to bless you to bless the nations. Clear back in Abraham. Right? Yep. Uh, in Genesis. And so how does God use his people? How does he use the church? Mm-hmm. You know, he says, you are my people and I will use you. Yeah. And so as we connect and grow, yeah, and that, and that's, you know, going back to, um, I forgot the verse, but it, it talks about uh, the plank out of his eye, you know. Yeah. How do we, don't judge me. And I think that the verse is, if you read it real careful, you have to, I think it's one of the most misquoted verses, I think, ever. <laughs> and he says, you know, don't judge me. you got to take your plank out of your eye. Well, you got to finish the verse. And it says, take the plank out of your eye. Yeah. So then you can help your brother take the plank out of his eye. Yes. So, you know, depending on what that gentleman's going through, I can judge you. Mm-hmm. This is edifying of the body, right? I, I've been where you're at. Mm-hmm. The sun will rise tomorrow. I guarantee it. Yeah. Unless the rapture happens. Yep. Right? <laughs> right? Yeah. But I see that's that's part of the problem. I think with, with so many people jump to the uh, Bible says judge not. The Bible says you suck at judging get better. <laughs> yeah. And, and and here's how you do that. It's by um, feeling grace. It, it's by living in grace. It's it's by coming, it's by, you know, standing, having been judged sinner and then receiving pardon, go and do likewise. Yeah. But instead we were like, no, I want to stand and judge somebody as a sinner and then punch them in the face. Pretty much, right? Yeah, but that's not that the thing. It, that's more fun, <laughs> no. right, as humans, right? Well, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it accomplishes more quickly. Well, because it feeds my pride, right? Exactly. Well, I don't have that problem. I might have a whole bag of other problems. Yeah. But praise God, I don't have that problem. Yeah, yeah. And so as we look at our pride, and so Jesus is like, listen, not everybody has that authority to talk to you about the sin in your life. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It goes back to Corinthians, the God of comfort. Why does He allow us to go through these things so we can comfort those who are any kind of affliction? Yeah. And so, as you match make, you know, can I match somebody that's never struggled with alcohol to an alcoholic? I really can't. What I need to do is I need to find someone that is already struggled with it and defeated that in yeah. their lives, and said, "Listen, talk to this cat. He knows mm-hmm. exactly what it is to walk the line." Yep. And how do I walk it? How'd you walk it? Exactly. Follow me as I follow Christ. Very cool. You know. Now, in, getting back to jail, that, that was a fun little journey. Yep. <laughs> but getting back to what you do in, in, the, in the jail, what's that Bible study look like, man? I mean, where do you start with them? How do you – because it's, it's probably a, a, a crew that turns over, right? People it is. tend to not be in jail real long. Yeah. Uh, the average day, I believe, is, is around 90 days. Okay. You know? And so, um, yeah, you know, the, you don't know who's going to be in your Bible study because it, it turns over. But I think that uh, everyone does their Bible studies a little different. And Jerry has given us freedom in, you know, teach how the Holy Spirit leads you. Mm-hmm. Ministry flows out of your relationship, your own relationship with Christ. Amen, brother. You know, and Could so. not agree more. What does your, minist- your relationship with Christ and then ministry flows out of that? Mm-hmm. So are you, first, Jerry is wonderful at this. Are you feeding yourself? Mm-hmm. Are you praying? Are you fasting? Are you good? And so as he ministers to us, we minister to them, right? Mm-hmm. And so Christ says, I pour my cup out. And so my cup gets full and I pour it out. And, and so uh, 
I like the book of Romans. I'm partial. I know I shouldn't. As a Christian, do are we supposed to like one book more than the other? I, I don't it, know. I think but, it's okay. But it's, uh, Romans is my book, right? Yeah. Because it's it is the entire Bible shrunk down into speedy, fast. Really is. You know, he goes from clear back in Genesis and the law. Yep. And why do we have the law? And what is sin? And how would we define sin? Yeah. Right. And so I think that where where we start with is with people is what is truth. And how do I define truth? Yeah. Can it come from my government? Does my government always tell me the truth? <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure that was a rhetorical question. Yeah, right, right? <laughs> I mean, really. What about the newspaper? I get the New York Times or, or, or the Huffington Post or whatever those tabloids are at the right. grocery store. Did Jennifer Aniston have nine babies on the weekend, you know, the, the <laughs> right. post on that corner. You're like, is that true? Uh, who knows, mm-hmm. right? And so how do I define it? You know, even my doctors, prior to 1960, it was healthy to smoke. And so you have all of these things. You know, I have a pamphlet that I looked up, and uh, they said smoking was healthy for you because it was exercising your lungs as you inhaled the smoke. Yeah. You know, and then you exhaled. Well, that's like lifting weights for your lungs. Yeah. In the 50s, they had articles that right. would help lung function. Well, they, they even told um, pregnant mothers to smoke to reduce the child's birth weight so the labor would, would be, be easier. easier. Wow. <laughs> now, is that, that – that section's true, but is it healthy, right? <laughs> right. You know? right. right. It's awful. Wow, that is awful. <laughs> yeah, I, that blows my mind. So mm. starting with what is truth – what do you usually get from them when you ask that question? I mean, what what is a common feedback? Uh, you know, the common feedback at first is really they sit back on their heels. Because we really don't, in our mind, in our daily lives, the devil wants to make us so busy and so moving fast, we are just treading water. The concept of be still and know that I am the Lord is lost in American culture. What are you doing today? Well, I've got to take the kids to growth group, and then I've got to go to baseball, and then I've got to go to ballet, and I've got to go to the grocery store, and I've got to pick up the dry cleaning. Yeah, and before they get done with their day, they're just like, I need to head towards the couch before I fall down. Right. And so do we really put a concept of what is truth and can I define it? We don't take the time to even ponder it. We don't, and we have all of these non-truths bombarding us all the time. Mm-hmm. And so, where do I find truth? And I say, can I show you a verse in the Bible? Mm-hmm. We open up to John fourteen six. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. What do you say to that? If we don't build truth on a foundation, then we can make truth whatever we want. Mm-hmm. Right. And then the truth will conflict. My truth will conflict with somebody else's truth. Right. And then we have conflict, war, death. We do, right? Because there can be a time where I can say, listen, uh, I think everybody with cerebral palsy shouldn't be around. Yeah, people right? have said that before. Have, we've seen it in history, right? Mm-hmm. Is that right? I think it's true. Now, you know I don't. I yeah. love people with cerebral palsy. I'm one of them. No, yeah, yeah, right. I love me. Yeah. But <laughs> – so how do you get this concept and start to speak truth into them? Right. If we don't start with a foundation of what is true, can we not ebb and flow morality however we choose it to be? Yeah, and that never works out in the end. I mean, it, 
it, it's a moving picture of what is good and what is right as far as the secular world is concerned because they don't have a basis for truth. Right. So, yeah, and it dawned on me as you were saying that interesting um, opportunity, upside to being in jail. What else are you going to do? <laughs> you know, God is sovereign, and this is why I'm, I, I, I love Polk County Ministry. Uh, the work that they do there, everyone there that works there is for the betterment. Mm-hmm. And so God is sovereign, and the, way, the reason why I'm so passionate uh, about this ministry is, uh, you know, if you are a perfect Christian, but you never leave the couch, the devil will leave you alone. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, because mm-hmm. if you're not playing the game, then why mess with you? Right. Right? And so this is where I see in, in, in Polk County, and I talk to them, listen, guys, we need men godly men to lead their homes, to lead their families, to lead, right? If I'm playing baseball and I'm up against Babe Ruth, right, I'm going to walk him every time. (laughs) Yep. Right? We forget the concept that that the devil is like a roaring lion ready to devour our lives, Mm -hmm. right? And so in hockey, they have a penalty box, right? I foul people out because I don't want them to play. Yeah. And I tell my brothers in, in, in Polk County, listen, how has the devil fouled you out? Right. Listen, if we can restructure this up and play the game, yes, we can move the gospel forward. Yeah. And I'm truly passionate about, uh, you know, uh, you, you see people struggling, right? Why is the devil on me? Because the devil is scared of you. And there's so many people who, who believe the lie that their life has, you know, DQ'd them from ministry. That I, you know, disqualified because, you know, I've been to jail or um, I used to do meth or I whatever. I go, well, no, sin is not a disqualifier. In fact, it's it's the, the one common requirement for salvation uh, well not the one but like a common requirement for salvation is you got to be a sinner right, right. you Unless, have to be lost before you can be saved right, <laughs> right? there's been no nobody found who was not lost got it <laughs> so good you're you're a sinner the the concept of sin is what we do it's not who you are mm. it's it's not who you can be that's right. the difference i mean it, right. it, that's what's so great about that universal message of the the gospel can handle any sin. Paul says, I don't do what I should do, and I don't do what I want to do, and I don't even know why I do it, right? And so we look at this as a sin nature, and this is like the best missionary ever, like Paul. Mm. Like, wow. It's pretty good. Half the Bible, right? (laughs) pretty good. weekend. He was in jail, (laughs) suffering. But anyway, uh, what is our identity? And are we going to allow sin to stop our ministry? Are we going to allow sin to, to move us forward? Yeah. It's not about perfection. It's about direction. <sighs> right. Guys. And so as we identify this in our lives, now I'm not saying don't sin. You know, the Bible says, should I sin? Absolutely not. Right? Don't you know your sin nailed Christ on a cross? Right. But it's a matter of being defeated. Am I an overcomer or am I defeated? Right. I say, I struggle with this sin. I've struggled with sin in my life for years. Mm-hmm. Right. 
Yeah, recently in, in, in my life, I've been um, kind of playing with the idea of resources. Um, it's just, it's on my mind constantly. This this church is about to take a couple of big steps and do some things that are um, going to be resource heavy, calling a second pastor. And, and I mean, just, oof, it's one of those times. And I just keep looking at budgets and saying, you know, well, this is scriptural. Where your treasure is, there is your heart. I mean, that's what you're passionate about is where you spend your resources. So what am I passionate about? It's kind of the, the bunny trail is going down. And then it dawned on me, what is God passionate about? Where did he spend his resource? Um, the easy answer is people. Yes, people. But not just like he didn't just come hang out with us. Like his biggest passion and concern is sin and death. So he spent the greatest amount of resource possible and handled it. So on the one hand, I'm free and happy and, and chilled just to be like, sins yeah. are gone, man. I'm good to go. <laughs> but on the other hand, should I keep sinning all the more? Like, look, if God is this passionate about sin, I should be that passionate about sin. Yeah, no. I mean, it <laughs> nailed, nailed Christ to a cross. Yeah. And, and we can't imagine what God did to him. Yeah. We see the physical representation of the cross and all these things. But that wasn't the worst part. But that wasn't the worst part. We miss this, right? Mm-hmm. We talk about this as we learn and grow. Listen, there have I pose the question that there have been uh, missionaries and godly people that have died far worse a deaths than Christ. I mean, it's one thing to die, but it's another thing to be kept, right? Yeah. Over a period of time. And so what is the difference, guys? It's not what man did to Christ. We see that in the garden, right, where he says, don't you know I could send down six legions or 12 legions of angels, right? Yeah. And so it wasn't what man could do. It's what God did to him because of our sin. Yep. That is the one – well, not the one, but my biggest critique of the movie The Passion Yeah, is it, it, it does a great job of, man, what physically happened to Jesus. Okay. But that's not the thing. That's I mean, not the full story, right? Right. But as in man's view, how can we tell that part of it? Well, that's what's the be- the beautiful part of the story is. So I I get the the passion. What it, what it should convey is that seems like it's physically horrible, and it's not the worst part. So the good news is, I'll never know what that's like. Amen. Amen. You know, I might get that physical stuff. I might, I might, I don't know, run through a thorn bush and be like, oh, that's what a crown of thorns might feel like. And and I can kind of sympathize a little bit, but then I'm not going to know what it is to shout, Aloy, Aloy, Lama, Sabachthani. Amen. And as Christians, do we have joy in that? Yep. There you go. Back to that. Yeah. I mean, that's, wow. I mean, if you sit down and you think about this, Mm -hmm. that should have been me. Mm Mm-hmm. Could have been. Could have been me, right? Mm hmm. And so, are we, do we have joy? Are we, and then, and, and, and it's just, it makes you speechless, right? Yeah. You, you're just like, wow, I just can't believe when I sit down, I think about this. And then we pray and we say, okay, now that I recognize this truth, what am I going to do about it? Yeah. In our churches, right? We talk about suffering, we talk about luxury, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and it's we we've got to get. Um, it's hard because culture's against us all the way. Get what you can, and 
and store up, right? Mm-hmm. And so as we, we read the Bible, John the Baptist, you know, as he baptized his soldier, and they asked him, you know, what must I do to be holy? And he says, I tell you the truth, if a man owns two shirts, give one away. We have to I, a structure in this idea of poverty and luxury and choose to suffer, right? Yeah. To sacrificially give. Yep. What is owed? Everything. Right. right? This is That's kind of the track I take with um, – <clears throat> With tithing and giving, you know, I, I tell people most people hear ten percent as oh, ten percent. I go, well, what do you owe him? Everything. He's only asking. See, and 10. I think you're, you know, awesome. <laughs> I, I, you know, and I think you're being far more too generous. Uh, the Bible that I read, uh, you know, Old Testament was ten percent. I go to the New Testament. Mm-hmm. I say, I think they're letting the, the churches are letting you off easy. I agree. Uh, the, the New Testament, it's all, mm-hmm. all. Acts 2, right? They st- sold everything. They lived in, mm-hmm. in this and they had need and they, they gave it all. So I don't know. Yeah, I'm with you. And as we look at people that are in ministry, right, there is a, there's a subculture of ministries in, our, in, our, in the United States. Yes. And we would say this section – uh, if it's a, 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 if you're a missionary and you're going to Africa, then you sell everything, right? You put everything you own in two totes, mm-hmm. and then you go over and you live out of those two totes. But if you're a Christian on this side of the pond, you can have whatever you need, and you give your ten percent, and and you're solid. Yeah, is that true? And so, <sighs> the Bible teaches need versus want. Mm-hmm. What do you need? Versus what do you want? Right. And as we look at, we talked about earlier, what does a dead person want for? Yeah. Right. What do we need to survive and what should we say is want? Mm-hmm. You know, it's hard to, in American culture, we, we would struggle saying, well, I can't tell people what they can and cannot have. Yeah. And as I read, I think you can. <laughs> well, I think we can identify at least, yeah. listen, guys, need versus want. You know? And I said, well, I can't give everything to Christ. Yeah. I, I can't go around naked. Right? That's the old adage. I said, oh, well, I think the Bible, if we read it really carefully, we can. Because the Bible says, you know, if I don't take care of my family, I'm like a non-believer. Mm-hmm. So I got to check out that money, right? Yeah. I always make a joke, and, and you know this is a major joke because you can see me. These guys can't see me. <laughs> but I always tell them, you know. If I came into my local church without my shirt on, it says that we should not keep our brothers or sisters out of lust. <laughs> and so with my physical physique, uh, you didn't have to laugh that hard. <laughs> you didn't have to laugh that hard. Okay, it's not that funny. <laughs> it's a little- <laughs> so I got to have a shirt on, right? I got to have these things. Yeah. And so when we use the Bible to define what we can have, mm-hmm. then it's really easy to say what we can't have. Right. So there's right in the news right now, there's that um, prosperity gospel guy who's preaching that he needs a jet because he can go nonstop. And, oh, you know, if, just, you just made me puke a little bit. <laughs> it, that is such number one. I freaking hate that because it, it paints all of us in the wrong light. And, and pastors for sure, because I, I catch this on Facebook or around pretty often, people say, oh, these pastors with their jets. Okay, there's 
there's a lot of pastors out there and there's a couple guys who are morons who try and get a jet for for themselves. So that's that's number one. Number two, just in general, every everybody who's not a Christian seems to get it how how hypocritical that is. And the only people who don't are the members of that church. Well, I mean there's a false gospel out there. Right? Yeah. And, you know, the false gospel is you are the son of a king, so act like a prince. Right. Right? And this is what he's teaching and preaching. Mm-hmm. And, and Christ didn't preach any of that. Yeah. He said foxes have dens, birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. Right? Mm-hmm. And so then we also look at the parable of the, the rich young man, right? And he says, Father, Father, I have kept all my commandments since my youth. Yeah. Right? It's so, it's so hard to convince people of what they they want and they need. I mean, it's I have the joy of um, is the best part about uh, being a pastor is the longevity of relationship, so that I get to watch people grow and change, and see people who you know, not as though they were greedy, but just their heart shifts a little bit, and they go, "No, I'm, I'm going to give more." I'm I'm in, man. Yeah, let's do this. I'm like, oh, it's it's cool to watch people change over time, but man, it takes a long time for somebody to to give up what their heart clings to. It's the I word. I don't even like using the I word. It's idol, right? Mm-hmm. And we we would say, I don't have any idols. And uh, my wife, you know, she she reads books a lot, and she's smarter than I am. And so as she comes in, and she's we talk about idols and. And she says, you, I, we don't have idols. And if you walk into the American home, you will walk into the living room, right? And there'll be 10 chairs. And all those 10 chairs will be focused on what? Food. Table. Table. Mm-hmm. Right? Their food. Maybe even their television, right? Mm-hmm. Right? So if you walked into a room and said, okay, where am I going to put the idol? Well, which way the chairs face? <laughs> and the idol goes on the shelf, right? Mm-hmm. And so we look at these things and we we don't sit down and think about them. It caused me thought when we got rid of cable and television yeah. and these kind of things to wash out of our lives. You know, is this an idol in my life? Yeah. Our cars, our houses, our our, our boats, our, our things, right? And it's one of my biggest pet peeves. And um, – I I feel a bit like a hypocrite right now, but I just traded in the the biggest POS van you've ever seen, and it got to the point where like the fuel filter or the fuel pump was going, and, it, and I'm doing the math in my head. It's like a four hundred dollar fuel pump, and I can get about two hundred dollars for the car. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, are are we going to have new things and nice things? We are. Yeah. I mean, need versus want, right? So you have a family that has 12 kids. I need a van. Yeah. I need a van, right? Mm-hmm. I've got How many a- vans do I need, though? Yeah. You know? And so yeah. these aspects. And, and is my wife going to have nice things? She is because you know what? At Christmas, I give wonderful gifts to represent who Christ is. Mm-hmm. I, re- I give a gift that represents the gift that Christ gave us. This is what Christmas is all about, right? Mm-hmm. And so I 
would like to think I give nice gifts. You'd have to ask her, right? But Well, she tells you what to get her. Right? Yeah, right, pretty much. So are we going to have nice things? The difference is, are we buying them for ourselves? Are they gifted to us? And then are we are it's not about perfection. It's about direction. Yeah. I mean, we had this conversation night last night, and we were talking about it, about faith, true faith. Now, if I truly believe in the Bible, and it's hard, right, to have this much faith, that the rapture could happen at any moment, that Christ has a, a house prepared for us with a room. It's there. Mm-hmm. The second that I close my eyes, I'm going to be in the best place ever. Yeah. If I truly, truly believe that in the heart of hearts, what do I need? How much evangelism am I going to do today? Right? I mean, if the doctor said tomorrow, you got two weeks. Get to work. Yeah. Get to work. And so we see God's heart for the nations, every tribe, tongue, and nation. And so when we look at the Joshua Project and realize that there's 6,000 people groups that have never heard the gospel, don't have a Bible, no churches, no one they're ever going to talk to are going to know the name of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. When we put that up against what our lives look like here, mm-hmm. what's the priority? And so it takes a minute for us to back up and say, oh, I do it in my own life. Like, what am I doing? Mm. Yeah. So I have a friend that, Matt Nicewonder, he's a friend and he's been a mentor uh, to me. And I talked to him and we, we talked back and forth about ministry. And he said to me, you know, faith, that's why it's faith. If we had a map that would be called knowledge right? and we would just follow it, yep, that's not faith. I tell so, people that all the time. How do we step out in the darkness and say, God is big enough? Mm. When we write that check on tithing, I have made a mess of my finances, Lord. You know, Mm -hmm. I have bought things I shouldn't have bought on credit. Mm -hmm. I've done these things. You know, and there's a a concept of, of, well, I'll ease into tithing. Yeah. Right? I'll, I'll give it to you. And then, you know, once I get back on track. Yeah. And I said, no, no. You got to tie that of faith. Tithe. We tie that. Jump, dude. Mm-hmm. Jump. Tithe first and live on faith. Yeah. Right? I Show imagine it. it's hard to work your way into it. And I tell people all the time, uh, Joni and I were blessed to be stupid poor when we got married. <laughs> Amen. Because, you know, tithing 10% on nothing is it's pretty really easy. easy. Yeah, <laughs> you know, dude. and then when you make... A little bit of money, you're like, no, oh, a lot less than the little I made. So here you go, and, and it just, it just stayed that way, and and now here we are, all these years later, and you know, if if I really sat down and one, and I do when I do the taxes, I would go, and that's a fair amount of money, and I'm good, you know, that that's just how it's always been, but I imagine, you know, if if you give very little and um, your income is is much larger, and somebody says to you, all right, ten percent. That could be daunting. It can. You know, it's it, 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 there's a cost. Mm-hmm. You know, and we've, we've missed this in, in Christianity. And I don't want to confuse this, and it's really hard. Salvation is free. Yes. Okay? That's not... 
let's, I don't want to confuse boats here, mm-hmm. but there's a cost to being a Christian. Yes, cost of discipleship, right? And so there's cost socially as we die socially to our friends, right? Mm-hmm. Usually that's the hardest death. When we talk about pick up our cross and, yeah. and die, what, what do you mean die? How do I die? Thousand little cuts. We are, right? When mm-hmm. we talk, when we say, listen, I stand up socially, you know, yeah. and say, listen, well, I'm not going to do that. Why? Because I'm a Christian. Yeah. So we have a, a Wednesday Bible study that I reference like every podcast and people are sick of it now. I don't care because it's the best Bible <laughs> study in the world. Um, but there's a guy, <clears throat> he's, he actually did a podcast uh, a couple episodes ago. He was a, a Satanist. When he was in you know, high school, college, and, and, and a little bit beyond, and kind of out of that, just, just was very different from not a practicing Christian at all. He kind of says in the podcast, he, he lost his faith. It was, it was gone. Comes back now, and he's like, you know, I don't know what my friends are going to think when, when they find out, when, when they hear this. But what's cool is he, he's like, I kind of don't care, you know, because – if if they don't love me, then they're not my friends, anyways. And Amen, right? that's an opportunity to share the gospel with them. So, yeah, that's. But yeah, that, that's a real fear. I get it when when people because you know I was um, a little bit afraid. I went through this in college when I preferred to hang out with the football team and the wrestling team. These are my people, and these are not all Christians. But I really prefer them and i and i was afraid because again i always had faith started heading down the road of ministry and i was like man is am i gonna have to give all of this up and i thought you know what i i really am and then in god's provision i still have a lot of that stuff a a lot of the things i was afraid of like i'm not gonna be able to have fun i'm not gonna be able to go to a bar i'm not gonna be able to get in the ministry i'm like no that's where you go (laughs) like oh great just like with um so the Kenya mission is another cool example. I was convinced. First time I went to Kenya was in in uh, Michigan. Broke my heart for all the right reasons. Fell in love and passionate about it. Took the call here, and I mean, just foreign mission wasn't an option. I mean, the finances weren't in in good shape here. All that kind of stuff. And it was about three years into my ministry here. I had I just just put it in the grave and said. This is something that the God had for me. It was a season, and it was great and changed me. But that is over, and that is done. I kid you not. It was it was within a month. Three Kenyans walked through the front door of this church. God's got a sense of humor. <laughs> but it was like it, it, I I had to be willing to let it go, and 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 not turn it into its own idol. You know, it's hard as we yeah, it's freaking hard. To, to to kill our own ministries, right? I mean, we've got this idea in our human minds of what our ministry should or, or could or yeah. might look like, right? And to say, listen, it's all for your glory. <laughs> I will rip this place limb from limb. Mm-hmm. I will tear it brick from brick and rebuild it how you want it built. Mm-hmm. And so it's hard, right? And so as you accept Christ and say, listen, I'm going to kill it and let it die. A piece of us, you know. I wanted it to to go, and, yeah. and so that's amazing. Yeah, it's Just and watch to be faithful. That I think is is cool. It's it can be terrifying to to the person doing it, but having done it a couple of times, oh, I almost spilled my water. Having done it a couple of times, you go, 
no, this is going to be fun. I, I know. I don't see what it's going to look like, but I'm telling you, it's always great. Let's go do this. And that spirit's kind of, you know, part of what makes this church so great is that everybody's kind of on the same page. We talked about, um, so we, we're running out of space, like, which is a great problem to yeah. have. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, we talked about selling this campus selling the church and and starting over when we wanted to explore is that a, a better use of god's better stewardship of god's resources and when i floated that boat i was like uh i'm gonna get some panic none i was like you could be kidding me nobody is worked up about selling the church and they're like no nah, the church isn't this building Amen. Right. I was like, these are some good people. (laughs) Amen. We are the church. Mm -hmm. Wherever we choose to gather and meet and fellowship and, you know, in our homes. Yeah. We'll sell it and we'll meet at the Casey's down the street till. Yeah. Till God shows his provision. I mean, we serve a God that owns a thousand cows on a thousand hills. Mm -hmm. We forget God's sovereignty and finances and. You know, we are obedient, and he is obedient Mm -hmm. in those promises and how we walk in faith, right? Yeah. Clear to tithing to to, to just making it to church on Sunday. Yeah. And it's a walk. It's a a process. Yeah. So, man, when you go into the the jail and you're in the meet, have you ever been, like, intimidated, scared, nervous that somebody's going to come across the table at you or? Not at all. I mean, this is the the power of of God, right? I mean, He is greater in me than who is in the world, and and actually the exact opposite. People that you would would give respect to, to no man would say, "Good morning, chaplain. Hmm. Good morning." Right? Can I get the door for you? Thanks, buddy. Yeah. Right, and they've never, probably ever in their lives, stepped foot in a church, and because they've got this concept of what church is, right? Because religion is dangerous, mm. right? Crisis, you know, religion's a problem, mm-hmm. and so they've got religion, which I don't want them to have religion. I want yeah. them to have Christ, and so they've had enough religion, and so whatever has damaged them, right, to 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 Christ. They're not willing, but yet they'll serve me. And, right. and, and, and so uh, the respect of, of, of the leaders, uh, uh, them allowing us to even be in this place, right? Because they don't have to allow us to come in. Right. You know, right? But they see value in it, and I praise God that they see value in it. And the respect of, of you know, those that are there, and those that work there has been just a true blessing, right? <clears throat> Excuse me. I talked about that anxiety, like, uh, how's this going to be? Yeah. Right? And people have bad days and good days there. Sure. Right? And so when you take a bunch of people and you put them in the, all in the same room from different walks of life and, and, and different things, there can be tension. But it's amazing when you see God's sovereignty come in the room. It settles them down. Mm. It's the Lord of peace. Right? Yeah. And so I, there's been a couple of times they're like, oh, I'm glad you're here. They need a Bible study. Right. Right? There's just tension. People open up their Bibles. They read. Calms down. People get to communicate, right, with their hearts, not just with their mouths. Yeah. Right? And so it's really just an amazing ministry, you know? And so uh, 
you know, I'm sure you've challenges. seen hearts change and, and people's lives change. And oh, it's awesome. You know, the 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 my prayer is I told patients there are several guys that I've seen grow through the church, you know, in the ministry there, and, and I'm excited for their lives. Is they're going off to wherever they go off to, right? Yeah. Um, do we have had people come up and say, you know what? I won't forget what Christ did for me. Oof. You know, today is a new day, right? And I won't worry about tomorrow, for today has enough trouble of its own, <laughs> right? And and you set them free, and they have joy, right? Sin has consequences, and we we talk about that, right? You know, guys, I listen. I had a friend named Bob. I used to work as a heat and frost asbestos worker, which nobody knows what that is. I don't know what that is. I uh, (laughs) did insulation on steam pipes. Okay. Okay. And and, and he smoked like a chimney. And he said, God, why did you give me cancer? I said, Bob, you smoked like a chimney for 60 years and we worked on steam pipes. God didn't give you cancer. (laughs) Right? I I might know what did. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. And so we work through that, right? Sin has consequences, guys, and and, and 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 I'm sorry. But that doesn't change who God is today or tomorrow. Hmm. And so every day when I try to walk in there, I say, how is your day going? And it's kind of a funny question, right? Oh, how do you think it's going? <laughs> and the point is, does God change? When we're at our depths, our low, right? Yeah. Or when we're at high, we got $10,000 in the bank and everything's solid, right? We're on the golf course. Is God any different from one day to the next? Yeah. And do we rely on that steadfastness? I think it's because we get to the point where we start to treat God or think of him as if he's a a dude. Because we are unfortunate. We are sinners that uh, we change. You know, when, when somebody is a jerk to us, I'm not going to hang out with you. I'm going to, you know, we have this natural reaction to, to moderate our relationships with people often based on behavior. That's what people do. And so we assume that's what God does. So when I'm at my worst, God probably really pissed off right now. Yeah. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He, no, he still loves you. That's, that hasn't changed. Right. But we get that assumption that, well, like I was kind of saying before, it's that idea that we've we've DQ'd ourselves. You know, this this sin was too big. That I'm out. I, I can't be a Christian anymore because I'm too bad. Did too many bad things. Yeah, no, and that's not that couldn't be farther from the truth, right. right? Of who we are in Christ, and so to 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 give them truth in that, right? And so, yep. listen, guys, we all make mistakes. I've made mistakes. Everyone in here, you know. And if we were truthful, people have done things that they should be in here and aren't, and people that are in here shouldn't be, and so it's a mix of all and everything. Yeah. But let's not contemplate that you're here and the gospel's here. Right. And this is such God's a small got a plan for you, bro. Yeah, and it's such a small part of the story. I mean, jail for ninety days. So, we're we're, we're not even talking about eighty years of life. We're talking about eternity. This is a blip. <laughs> you know, smallest part of your stories right now. Sure. And, you know, and it's there again. I mentioned Romans, you know, Paul, I tell him, do you realize that half of these were written while Paul was in, in jail. jail? Listen, 
guys, we have to understand that this is God calling you right, to be obedient. Mm-hmm. Does he have your attention now? For whatever reason, right? God uses circumstances yeah. to move us. Yeah. Right? We look at Jonah, right, in the Bible. <laughs> Listen, Jonah, come here. No, I don't want to. Jonah, come here. No, I don't want to. And we see at the end of the story, he ends up in a fish, right? Yeah. I told you to come here. <laughs> right? Yeah, I love and it. so God is going to use circumstances to move us to him, yeah. to, to lead us to repentance, right? Well, he disciplines those he loves. Amen. I love that text. Um, it, we're in, um, in, my, in my Wednesday Bible study, but we just finished up in uh, the Sunday morning Bible study, Revelation. Revelation 3. I discipline those I love. I go, thank you. You know, because that's, I get that with my kids. I discipline my kids because I love them. You right. know, I I don't just be like, yeah, do whatever you want. Yeah, be a turd. You know? Yeah, right. <laughs> You're, Ruin everybody else's meal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Your life will go better because of the discipline I give you. You don't like it right now. I get that. But your life will be better because of the discipline. So when we look at, well, I'm being disciplined. Good. God loves you. Yeah. You know, and so, and a lot of these things are for their benefit. And they would tell you the truth. Mm-hmm. Right, men are men, and, mm. and we're honest. Yeah, really. I, you know, I've had anything and everything, and and, and say, so, you know, they come in and say, oh yeah, I made a mistake and I deserve to be here, right? And so as we structure them up, right? Yeah, and teach them and let them grow and and just let them see the gospel. Yeah, maybe for the first time, and w- with. And they'll ask me, what church do you go to? You know? And I'm always hesitant to yeah. tell them what church, right? Not that, that I don't want them to come. Yeah. But it's it's us, unity. Yeah, I know. We I, are Christians. I get that. Every, you know, find a place where you fit. Yeah. You know what? And I'll give you my phone number. And if you get out and you're having trouble, I will go with you to each church till you find one that fits you. Yeah. Right? You're more than welcome to try mine, but God's got a plan for your life, and I don't want to hinder that in your life. So find, search, seek, knock. Yeah. The identity of an overcomer. Be a man. Do this. Yeah. Find your own church. You can. You can do it. I I envy that. I mean, envy is probably not the right word, but I I don't have that. I don't have the honesty, um, and it's I don't blame people for it. I get it. It's hard. This this is why I've got a couple of friends who are um, not members of this church who are faithful Christians, and the conversation has come up once or twice about you know, living faith. You know, they come to worship every now and then. I said, man, I don't want you to join my church <laughs> because I need people. It's really helpful to have people who are honest with me because it's hard for a parishioner to be honest to their pastor. It's really hard for somebody to be like, hey, man, we got to talk because they they assume that I'm going to come back with, Dude, shut up. I'm the pastor. You're the parishioner. You know, I know yeah. what's right. Yeah. And I, so I need people who are honest. And their response has been, you know, we can be more honest with you because you're not our pastor. I don't ever have to worry. Like they come in with with marital troubles and then. Two Sundays later, there's a sermon on marriage. And I go, was it me? Yeah, or was yeah, this planned right. the whole time? So all of that goes away. And, and 
you don't have that. You know, no, you've got a very it, different dynamic. Um, and I, you know, and I'm bold and honest, and like I said with you, uh, I'm an open book. You can ask me anything, and I tell them that you can ask me anything. Yeah, because this is life. You know, to my children, to sex, to to marriage, to my walk, to how many times I pray, to what or where or what I talk. I, I'm a. This is my life. Yeah, this is my ministry, and so it's open to anyone and everyone. And so I ask, and they ask questions. You know. Uh, about this well what do you do with this and and how do you do this and the only thing that i tell them is listen uh, you know you don't have to confess to me you know you're not going to alleviate guilt or anything like this i don't want to know yeah pray pray and you see these people that may have prayed for the very first time in their lives you know that's cool and in you know their their languages is is colorful and you're like whoa, yeah. That, that, that God can take it, but it's a prayer that's <laughs> beautiful because it's their own. Yeah, you know. And one of the gentlemen, uh, you know, almost made me teary eyed because he was praying and he in a and a cuss word slipped and he said, "Oh, I apologize. Don't <laughs> apologize to me." Yeah, you know, keep oh. going. You know, and he got teary eyed because it slipped out of his mouth and he felt bad and, yeah. and true repentance, right? That hit him. As he's, yeah, he felt bad. True repentance. Right? That's awesome. So as he's truly speaking to God. Yeah. I'm like, dude, how'd I do? You it did fabulous. Couldn't be better, actually. Right? <laughs> you, you this yeah. is what prayer is. Yeah, literally as God. good as it gets. That's great. Yeah, I, know, so I just see these things. I dig it. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, I, I tell people, we confess our sins to God, and he's never surprised. He's not like, whew, I didn't know that. <laughs> like, okay, he get he knows all of your sin. The confession is is not for me to know something. It's it's for to get it off of me. So when I confess, I get rid of junk. Yeah. Right. Good. That's great. Get rid of your junk. How do we you know, my yoke is light, right? Mm-hmm. And this is what he's talking about. And so then I tell him too, listen guys, I'm I'm walking this journey with you. And I don't want you to think I got to figure it out. I play a good game. You've known me for a month. And just like you, Pastor Luke, you say, oh, the snores. You want to know my Christianity and the truth of it? Go ask my son. Because mm. he's under my authority. Mm-hmm. My brothers, my, my wife, my pastor, right, don't know me. Mm. My son Knows the man I am. You know what I mean? I, I mean, because they're under our authority. Say, son, who is your father? Does he love the Lord? Does he pray? Does he fast in the, in the dark times? As for me and my house, right? Do we serve the Lord? Mm-hmm. And so as you look at the leaders, mm-hmm. ask the children... Mm. Is your man a, is your father a man of God? Because he gets the truth, right? Because I can spew on them. I can make them do chores. I can act out. I can do all these things because they're purely under my authority. Yeah. Anywhere else in the world, they're not. Hmm. So ask the servants. You're my servant. Is yeah. he a man of God? Right? Hmm. And then they can give you truth. 
Especially when I'm not around, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, your dad's outside. Is he holy? <laughs> right. Right? Is he pursuing the cross? Yeah. I Man, that's a great way to think about it. <clears throat> living, living a life that, oh, that can be judged by those who are under your authority. Wow. Are we above a reproach? You know, is it? That's that's where the catch is. And I says, so, brothers, as I teach the word of God to you, right? And as we're looking at this, listen, I play a good game. You think really highly of me, right? But I'll give you an hour to talk to my son of the times that I melted down and freaked out. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, the car won't, the tire won't go on the car and you're like, get back in the car. Yeah. No, I know it. That's, and that's, that is the thing is, um, the above reproach, you know, I, I hate that text in scripture because I've seen it wig so many people out and it used to wig me out. Like, man, I'm not above reproach. Perfect. You know, like, so, so there's nothing about me that is, it's, you just got to struggle with that text and it's about the pursuit of it. You know, it's, it's about Direction, direction, not perfection. Yeah. And so. I would hope my son would say he loves the Lord. Yeah. He's on the right path. Yeah. Is he a good man? And, and you know, the thing is, as you ask a a younger man as they go into adulthood, right? Yeah. Yeah, my father's good. Now that he's had real life, right? Right. 25 is when you want to ask, not 10. Yeah. Right? (laughs) Like, oh, yeah. Woo. Yeah. Was it Mark Twain who said that? And when I was younger, my dad was a fool, and now that I'm older, he's gotten much wiser. <laughs> That's how, how it is, right? How do you walk your walk, talk your talk? Is it a game? Yeah, it's, it's an investment. That's that's what I love about family and kids is I, I have just invested in the future. And and I, I it's sort of one of these things where I'm, I'm, I'm kind of with you on this. I, I have a son who is phenomenal. I mean, just a great kid. Love him to death. And I think that he's going to bless a ton of people. Now, if, if he didn't exist, the less people would be blessed. So I, I get to see, man, I put in a blessing to one kid and he goes out and, and gets married and has children and meets people and blesses a hundred others. My one blessing has become a hundred. That's awesome. You know, it's. <laughs> we, we kind of forget that concept, right? Yeah. That Jesus poured into 12. Yeah. That changed the world. Yes. And so how do we pour into our children, do our children, whether we have two, four, six, eight, twelve? Yeah. I pour them into it. And like I told our children in a, in a growth group, we're kind of going through this as a lesson. In our growth group, that's how we do discipleship. Yeah. <clears throat> At home, in our homes. I'm going to be bold with you guys and say, it's not about you. You're already saved. Mm-hmm. You know the truth. It's a message through you. Is it reproducible? Yeah. Right? So do we structure it up? Can we tell our testimonies, right? That yeah. What God has done to us. And so that's what we're working on is, you know, our identity in Christ. And then, too, share me your testimony. Can you verbalize it? Do you know what God's doing in your life? Yeah. To be able to share it to other people. Right? Yeah. And so it's through us that the gospel moves in us and through us, right? And yeah. so how do we structure that up? And so it's neat how you talk about your kids as we pour into them. 
I mean, I sit down and dream about me too. What are they going to do? What are they going to go? What is the world going to look like? Yeah. Uh, for them. That that's a newer thing for me. Um so my kids are a little bit younger than yours, but you know, I remember the day when my oldest was, you know, just just a kid. And I don't, I don't mean that to be pejorative, but like he was a kid like everybody else. And then you start to see the personality develop and you see the skills and the talents develop and you go, "Whoa." Because I, I know people in the world who have the same skills and talents and abilities, and they're amazing. And I'm like, man, is, is that it? Is he, is he going to go and do this? Is he going to go and do that? And you start dreaming about it because you start to recognize in them things that you see in other people. Um, and it's such a blessing when those are good things. Well, yeah. <laughs> you know the benchmarks, right? Yep. I, I can't judge someone. <coughs> Excuse me. But I can see if they have spiritual fruit, right? I don't know. Mm-hmm. And so I see the fruit in our lives. And so as you benchmark your children and, you know, they yeah. get a job and they tithe on their own. Yeah. Like, oh, that's so awesome. Right. Right. Uh, my daughter, right, the first time you see them use their spiritual eyes, and that's a weird way to say it, but there was this young lady walking down the street and and and, and you know, she was disabled, and, and she was trying to do something. And my daughter says, isn't she beautiful? Hmm. She is. Yeah. Because they have joy in their heart, right? And through their circumstances, she used her spiritual eyes to see the beauty that God put in her. Yeah. And so as you see these things, it makes you teary-eyed. You're like, yeah. God is sovereign and good. And praise God that he loves my children. Praise God that patience and, and, and people poured into their lives as the church, right? Because I'm just dad. Yeah. Right? As other people, godly men of our churches have poured into them and talked to them and grown. Yeah. You know, it's, it's awesome. Uh, I think that is so important. Yeah, you know, that's, that's part of the most important thing of being in a church is... Uh, kids, you know, having an option that isn't mom or dad, who's a faithful Christian, loves Jesus, and I can trust, you know, like I'm, I have no fear when my family walks, my family's a little bit crazy because they're pastor's kids and there's enough of them, but they come through the doors and this place is home and <clears throat> they know everybody that that's here. If they say, Hey, knock that off. Yep. That's, that is a person speaking with authority and I trust. I would trust anybody in this building to correct my kids, um, and that's man. If you don't have something like that, yeah. And so that's why when we talk about, <coughs> excuse me, people that don't have a church home, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, really. And so it's uh, there's no condemnation. I, it's uh, the exact opposite. How do you make it through life? Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I'm I'm impressed. There's this great thing right, right over, over there. there. You know, that Go you can it. use as a a tool in a ministry in mm-hmm. your lives. And it's better we're better together. And so as we parent my children and then somebody says the exact same thing that I just said, it gives it validity. Because yeah. we're dads, we're dumb, right? That's right. just the way it is. But Bob yeah. said it. That's the <laughs> truth, right? Yes. And so this is how it works. And so as we use the church 
and people pouring their children and we pour out. It's, yeah. it's just a, it's awesome. And yeah. It's fun and, and they become family. Yeah, I, I tell people all the time that, that being a pastor of a church is a lot like being a dad. And it's that same thing when I told somebody I was going to bring it. We changed our governance years ago, just kind of the way we run the church. And um, I said, I'm bringing an expert in. And uh, the council president at the time said, well, what do you mean by expert? So it's somebody else who says the same thing I do. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but it's like it's confirmation. You know, somebody else thinks this. It's not just me. So let's. Well, we do this all the time as we we give spiritual authority to people and pastors. And, and we're all in different walks of mm-hmm. us, right? Who pastors the pastor? Uh, right. Right. And so we use the word of God. Mm-hmm. We use our elders. We use our family. Mm-hmm. Like, listen, I'm looking at this. Are you seeing the same thing I am? Mm-hmm. Search, seek, and knock, right? And so how do we, who pastors the pastor? And we've got to teach that reproductive part of it is the priesthood of all believers, right? Yeah. You can do it too. It takes work. This is one thing that I, I tell. Um, so I mentor a couple of pastors, and I tell them all the time, this is work. This is discipline. <clears throat> you weren't handed uh, a car that's running perfectly, and you'll never have to change a spark plug. You were handed a vehicle. Hopefully it's in good shape, But and I don't mean the church. I mean you, yourself. Uh-huh. you got to tune this bad boy up. You, you don't get to finish seminary and go, okay, I'm good. Right. Not how it works. This takes work, and it—that uh, is one of the hardest things. It takes the most work for for me, and I think for most pastors is find ways in which other people are leading you. Um, I had a guy who, not a pastor at all, wasn't really much of a churchgoer until he had an incredible story in faith. But, anyways, at one point he just kind of pulled me aside, and I was—I had a mentor at the time. It wasn't him; um, <clears throat> it was my senior pastor. And he goes, you're doing great. Just just stay this way. Stay coachable. And, I, and he was, he's a coach um, for a basketball team. And that was, that was the best advice I've ever gotten. Stay coachable. Don't, don't ever decide you're done. Keep learning. Keep growing. Yeah. We, you know, we see examples as Paul. <clears throat> and, you know, it keeps talking to God and saying, okay, which way is this? And as we talked about earlier, being able to burn down ministries and start different ministries and be ebb and flow as the ministry grows and being all things to all men. It, yeah. it, it's a trick. It's, you know? it's artwork, man. It is. And so, but it's beautiful. And as you watch people grow in, in their faith, there's nothing we drive. Nothing else matters. Yeah. You know, you get to the point where you're like, I don't care about the carpet. I don't care about the car. I don't care about, I don't care. It's so freeing. You know, I want to do this. And as you see those people grow in Christ and see their eyes open up and the scales fall off, right? Like, what? This is what it's all about. Yep. And so you see your children grow and you just become a passion and a joy. Yeah. It surpasses. You're like, you know, like, dude, yeah, I know I should, I know the windows are leaking at home and I should take time to fix those, <laughs> compared to this. Yeah. And in our Christian walk, we do, a lot of times we do good things. 
Yeah. Instead of great things. You know, we let good things get in the way yes. of great things. And so having that discernment as a pastor saying, okay, this is good, but this is great. I know. It, that is hard. because It is because it's both good and great, right? I well, mean, you're not doing wrong. We're not doing wrong. But how do we say, listen, yeah. this is going to be. And the discernment huge. between what those are. Is is this good or is this great? That's that's so tough, and it's again a lot of trial and error, and, and just kind of, I mean, really. Uh, so you might, if if you were secular non Christian, you might say it's instinct, and, uh, a little bit of instinct, a little bit of spirit, I think, in there too. But you you got to start to feel it and go, okay, this this thing here might be good, but I think an investment in it will make it great. Right. Or this thing is good, but it'll never be great. Right. Then you kill it. <sighs> it it's um, we and we struggle with this, right? It's um, I have a friend, we talk about the terminology about evangelatement. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> and so you know, when did the gospel not become enough that I had to add? show yeah we pose the question listen in the type of the world that we live in are we ever going to out entertain the world no our budget's never going to match hollywood dude it's never going to do it and so we've got us the best kept secret right the gospel Mm -hmm. and so how do we get by how is less more how, how do we do this in the, as we are bombarded in our ministries to do this and this and this? Can we just stop and say, okay, less is more. I had Let's this, go out to the park. Yeah. Out on the lake. Yeah. And sit down and talk. Uh-huh. That's, that's the ministry. I had this great yeah. lesson when I was young as a pastor because I was into that. It's it's a temptation, I think, um, when you're young in a ministry, you, you go for that kind of thing. Or like I said, I, I just didn't have a real solid, mature faith for a long time. Um, I got caught up in that as a youth pastor. You know, let's – well, let's let's – entertain these kids and have band night and have this thing and, and fun and games. And that's kind of what the center of the youth group was um, for a little while there. But this lesson came early, which is fortunate. Their kid, I'll never forget, Brian. Brian was always there, always there, and really looking forward to this event I was doing. You know, it's a big deal, man. There's going to be a bunch of bands and a big church, big budget, awesome stuff. Didn't show up. I called him the next day. I was like, man, where were you? I mean, I'm thinking he went to a concert of a favorite band or something. He mm-hmm. goes, no, dude, I was um, sitting drinking coffee with a guy talking about Jesus. And I went, ah, shit. <laughs> he did a better job than me. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. And I go, that's the thing is, is the relationship and the meaning and the significance is so much bigger then all of the entertainment and flash and dance and, and all of that, I'm not opposed to Christians having a good time and putting on a good show. No, not at all. But it ain't evangelism. But you get to a point where <laughs> if we don't stop the ball, we're going to end up having a jet in the parking lot. Yep. <laughs> right? Right. We talked about that. <laughs> so where is the where is the line? And, and so uh, as we look at our example, Christ and his ministry – 
I can give you balloons. I can give you ribbons. I can give you all this stuff. Yeah. But if I connect with your heart and I show you love. Yep. True love. People want that. They need that. Yeah. Absolutely. And so this is what connects the gospel and changes people's lives and the power of it. And so how do I make that connection? How do I become available Yeah, in that? <clears throat> I think people miss the... So in, in my particular tribe, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, um, there's always been a little bit of controversy over you know, contemporary music and how much of it becomes entertainment and for the show and how much of it is. And I say, you know... We don't do everything we could do to, you know, we, we don't have a fog machine. <laughs> we, yeah, don't, yeah. we don't have a, a laser light show. There's stuff that we don't do. But we do real contemporary Christian music and it's relaxed. And I said, it's, it is removal of barriers when you speak the gospel in the native tongue of people and and screens and video and this sound and, and these this is the language of our people. Mm-hmm. That's the difference. It, it's <clears throat> when when you go out with that mindset, yes, versus the mindset of how do we attract people by being edgy and cool and awesome? Right. Yeah, you got a problem. It's you know air conditioning, comfy seats, and coffee. God bless them. Mm-hmm. I mean, it makes my service much more enjoyable. <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you. I mean, I we talked about suffering, mm-hmm. but. I got to be honest with you. If you give me air conditioning over 106 in the sun, I'm going to choose air conditioning every time. And I think there's some wisdom in that, right? Yeah. Why sit out in the sun if you don't have to? Right. How do we put ourselves in suffering for the gospel, not for just suffering's sake? Yeah. Right. And so then there's an aspect also that um, the Gideons, right, started a ministry with a Bible. And we forget the the power of the Word of God and the Gospel. That the Bible is so powerful that I can sit it on a shelf, right, in a hotel room, mm-hmm. and people come to Christ. We forget the power that's in the Gospel and the power that's in the Bible. That I can leave this set on the shelf. In the sovereignty of God, people will pick it up and come to Christ. Yeah, and so there's a balance between that, right? <laughs> Don't Absolutely. just throw them a Bible and pat them on the back and send them back outside. Right. And then to, to doing that, and what is that right. difference? And so it is. It's a trick. Yeah. Right? To <clears throat> ebb and flow as the Holy Spirit says, talk to him. Get up. Move. And Absolutely. so are we, how do we plan our, our sermons? Or are we letting the Holy Spirit plan them? Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> Another thing I wrestle with all the time is, well, I, I I like to map out sermon series in in a in a way that I want to move you from A to B to C to D, because that's how our minds work, right? Yeah, I mean, cognitively, if yeah. we're trying to learn something, right? In our Western world, for sure, like just right. this linear thought, and um, that's good. But I I try and be careful not to then decide Holy Spirit. Here's how I need you to move me three Sundays from now. You know, <laughs> like that's not my job. But on the front end, I, I get in the Word, I get in the Spirit, and and I say, all right, all right, all right. I'm putting together the sermon series for next year. What do you got for me? Yeah, and I got to trust that it hits at the right time. Yeah, and I, you know, I so I 
it's this, it's kind of a handshake between our brain and the spirit, you know, just like there's a handshake between your brain and your heart when you, when you make a decision and this, this kind of working together, um, is critical. You, you don't want to suspend all thought. This I keep coming back to theology is, is artistry. You know, you, you may be talented and just blessed with an ability to paint without ever having to do the work. But most of us, you work know, you got to work at it. You got to get better at painting. And evangelism and all these things, right? Mm-hmm. Are, is, is an acquired skill, right? To share our testimony, to look someone in the eye and say, this is how God saved me and yeah. moved in my life without, one, being an hour and 45 minutes long, right? Yeah. Because the average attention span is three minutes, yeah. right? So I got to get this information out because it's saving them. From hell. Yeah. And so we talk about this and how we structure this up. And we want to be led by the Holy Spirit. But on the same token, we sit home and we practice it because it matters. Yeah. <clears throat> I want to be good at this. Yes. And as and we talk about this and, and we talk, say, listen, if you see a guy in a burning car, right, do you think he's going to care how you yank him out of that burning car? <laughs> Did right. you do it with grace? Did you do it with grace? No, you're right. This is a false concept. Uh, listen, they are, are are lost. Yeah. Give them the gospel. You don't have to add anything. You don't have to take anything away. Be yourself, whatever yourself looks like. Yep. Right? And the gospel is powerful enough to transpose through those things. Yeah. <clears throat> so many Christians think that, you know, having... A conversion experience or living as a Christian your whole life, whatever your faith story is, you know, I should be a natural at evangelism. And if I'm not, I don't have that spiritual gift. <laughs> Sorry. It, like you said, an acquired skill. People with the spiritual gift. It's kind of an ac- commandment, right? Yeah, right. Matthew 28. He doesn't 20, say. Those of you. go. Not some of you that have the gift. Yeah. Right? <laughs> therefore, the ones I give you give the you gift. gift. No, it's it's the church, right? Go and make disciples, yeah. teaching them uh-huh. to obey, right? So there's teaching, making. Yeah, there's an action that that I've got to teach myself how to to do these things, right? That it's not going to come natural to me. Nobody can stand up naturally, yeah. and talk to 500 people, right? It's an acquired <clears throat> skill that you work you at. Work at, and the I'm so I'm convinced the more you work. Oh, and then, and this isn't a golden rule. This isn't the standard of all standards, and, and this isn't always how it works. But the more you work, I have recognized more often the spirit showing up in bigger ways. So if, if I put 10 minutes of, of sermon prep into my sermon on Sunday, I'm going to get that much spirit in it, and it's probably going to suck. Ministry flows <laughs> out of our relationship with Christ. Yeah. Right? And so how much ministry do you want? Mm-hmm. How much relationship do you have? Mm-hmm. Right? If you're only two inches deep, your ministry is going to be two inches deep. Yeah. It, it hurts, right? But it's right relational to our ministries. If you're faithful with little, then I'll give you much. Right. And so we see these principles of the Bible. And so as we <coughs> flow into our ministries, and let's not... Count God's will. Yeah. 
there have been many, uh, missionaries that have went to foreign countries that have done their entire missional field, and no one's come to Christ. Yeah. It wasn't about what he could do for them. God was saying, are you going to obey me? Mm-hmm. Are you willing to be the flower in the desert that blooms only for me? And so when we look at validity at our ministries and say how many people come to Christ or how many didn't, I know. Were you obedient? Right. Was I obedient? That's all. Yeah. It's obedience. A little bit later today, I'm going to sit down with our, our current council president and go over our goals, my, my personal goals and the, the strategic goals for the church. And um, another lesson I learned uh, some time ago is I don't want to write goals that are about what only God decides. You know, like the goal for next year is a thousand people come to faith. Okay, well, it's the spirit that works conversion. It's it's God who saves. I don't I you can't measure me right. <laughs> what I do off of what only God can provide. So let's measure our effort. So all of our goals that we write for this church and, and for me are really about, you know, man, am I working? Am, am I hustling? Am, am I out there just busting my ass to, to do the things that I can do? And I'm convinced that if, if I, that's what we're measuring and I do what I can do, if God wants to bless that, he will. And if he doesn't, he won't. So, yeah, we're talking James, right? <laughs> yeah. Three, faith and works, right? Yeah. And so we have faith and I'll, you'll know my faith by my works. Yeah. And what God does with that. He's God. Yeah. And I'm not. Yeah. I'm describing, it's, it's like a farmer. I mean, if a <laughs> farmer puts two seeds in the ground and th- they both grow really tall – then 100% return, he's got two corn stalks. Awesome. If a farmer puts 10,000 seeds in the ground and it never rains and he gets no crop, I mean, it's about the farmer. What are you doing? I want to put 10,000 seeds in the ground. And if God grows five, cool, but that's not my problem. But I don't want to be the guy with both shoots of corn coming up going, oh, I should have put more in. <laughs> this is Matthew again there. He says, uh, you know, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers. And I think it's interesting that we look at that per, the, that uh, piece. It starts with pray to the Lord, <laughs> right, to, to send out. It, it begins with God and it ends with God. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how prayer is, right? It starts with God and ends with God Yeah, <clears throat> as we pray through. And so... This is the concept that it starts with God and ends with God, and and I'm a tool. Yeah. In the, in the sense that God used me in obedience, and how obedient will you or will you not be? Yep. And then we're rewarded on it. How is this not a cool game? <laughs> yeah. I don't get the punishment I deserve, and I get the rewards I don't deserve. Yeah. This is Christianity is the awesome. This is awesome. Yeah. This is a win win. Win, right? I for for Christ's sacrifice. I describe it like a baseball game. It's you know everybody wants that moment. You're down by three runs. It's the bottom of the ninth. There's two outs, and now just imagine in this game, God has decided the next batter is going to hit a grand slam. Well, I want that to be me. I mean, why why would I choose to sit over there? Now God's going to do this. With you or with somebody else. So he's going to get it done. 
but man, I want to be the guy, you know, I, and so the, the reward isn't that I'm cool or I'm awesome or anything. It's just that it's a great feeling when ministry is happening, when, when the Lord of hosts is, is harvesting through you. That's, I want that. I I desire that. I desire those moments in life. Like you were saying before, it's, it's what it's all about. So it's kind of funny you brought that up because patience, we were talking about legacy and, and our family and being what we, what we want our ministries to look like. My wife, <coughs> she's a pretty smart cat. And so she, she got this letter off eBay or something like that. And she put it up on the wall. And I said, what's that? And it says, in our living room, it says, present and intentional. Right? So are we present in our lives and intentional to be able to swing that bat? Mm-hmm. Right? Yes. God, I want to be the guy that has the bat, and I want to hit it. And so we see parables about this in the Bible with the women in the in the, the lamp oil, right? Yeah. They weren't present and intentional. They weren't waiting for it. And so how can we be present and intentional Yeah. in our lives? So when God says, swing, Luke, swing. Well, I forgot my bat. <laughs> right. Really? Well, I'm going to have somebody else, else do, do it. it. Right? That's what I forgot my mitt. I, I you know, I need to go get more oil, right? Can you hold on a minute? And so how do we be present and intentional with our lives and carry that with us so that way when he calls us up? Yeah. Bottom of the ninth, right? Yeah. I need you, Luke. I got my back. I'm here. Yeah. And that's what's great is that it's still not us it's he's him, ordained right? that it's gonna happen. Yeah. And then he allows us. you to do it. Yeah. I mean that's why would you skip on that? Why would you be? Why would you say, "Nah, I'll let somebody else do it"? The present and intentional is the obedience part, right? Mm-hmm. Are you standing there with your bat ready to go? Because mm-hmm. he's the one pitching, and he's the one that's ordained. It's going to be a home run. He's the one that's done it. Yeah. All you got to do is show up. Yeah. And how many times do we not show up in our Christian life? Like, yeah. man, I didn't show up. Yeah. He had this for me. Yeah. It's just discipline. It is just. We know what it is. Yeah. Um, our our sinful nature makes us lazy, or I don't know, whatever. Sometimes it's fear. Yeah, I, I think it's lazy. I'm yeah. pretty lazy. I got to be honest. With you. <laughs> yeah, I would totally go help that guy, but it is it's hot. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. 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 <laughs> so what's next for you, man? What's coming up? Well, um, patience and I, um, we we signed up with a, an organization. Called OMF, and that's over uh, Overseas Mission Foundation. Yeah, and so um, we're looking to Southeast Asia. We're looking to leave in t- the spring of 2020. I've yeah. got a daughter that I said was 15, and so she's got to graduate high school. Yeah, and we're just looking for God's provision in that. Yeah, you know, um, we felt God calling us. Uh, whether I'm a sender or I'm a goer, or what does that look like? And I'd mentioned. Earlier, I'll give a plug out again to the Joshua Project, you know, that you get online. It's the joshuaproject.org, and it talks about the the people group of the world that have no gospel, no language, uh, zero access to the gospel. Mm -hmm. And so we see God's heart for the nations. Yeah. Right? And we understand the Great Commission. Matthew 28, Mark 16, clear back in Genesis, right? I'll bless you to be a blessing of many nations. And so I said, 
uh, with my blessing, uh, cerebral palsy, I'm like, I don't know if I can be a goer or what does that look like? Right. And so we come to the point where if God can open up doors, God can close doors. So we walk by faith. And so it was a really interesting journey, you know, because uh, they said, well, we've never really had anyone with cerebral palsy want to go to a, yeah. a, a third world country, right? And so we don't even know. And they've got doctors and, and they want to do the best they can to make sure everybody's healthy and yeah. and ready to go. And uh, we walked in obedience. And so when you do this, they know every facet of your life. I mean... We always say it's the organization, organization of, a, uh, of a million forms, OMF, right? <laughs> and there's no secret or rock unturned. Yeah. Because we give them that as spiritual authority to say, do you see this? Yeah. Paul says, I give no opportunity for the, for the stumbling of the mission, right? And so do you see any blocks in my life that I need to work on before I move forward? And so we, we got through that process, and, and they, they called us and said, no, we, we, don't, we don't think you can go with your cerebral palsy. And I said, oh, okay. You know, and I told patients, well, 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 God's not done with us. We'll just restructure up, right, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and uh, see what it is. And God moved, and there was a gentleman that I'd met in Laos that was the country coordinator that had met me personally. And he said, well, I have met Matt, and... I've seen his disability. He's cool. He can come. So they call me on the phone and uh, say, yeah, you're back on. Nice. You know? Uh. And so it was, we go out to Colorado and uh, patients had wanted to go into ministry and had been feeling God calling on her heart to quit her job and, and do some more ministry. Well, it just happened that the church, our church, <clears throat> was looking for a finance person, and uh, she got the job. Um, the downside was um, the company she worked for, you know, they take a trip to Hawaii yeah. every uh, five years for a company thing, and she was on the roster to go. And so the week that we are in Colorado was the week that we should have been in Hawaii. Uh, yeah. And so you see God unfold these things. Right, and so fast forward. I mean, it's just weird, right? Uh, the doctor wanted to see me, and so uh, the office is in Colorado, and oh, we're in Iowa, right? And, and so we went out to Colorado. There's a prayer summit with Dan Henderson. I've heard of this. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. awesome. If you get a chance to go, it's great. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. And I wasn't on the roster to go. My pastor said. Would you like to go? And I said, I, I, I can't afford to go. You yeah. know, I'd like to go, but right now is not a good time for me. And he said, well, someone canceled, you know, and they paid. Yeah. All you got to do is get on the bus. I said, well, if that's the case, well, then I'll go. We can get on a bus. Right, right on, right? <laughs> Drive out there. And as I'm out there, the one of the doctors from the sending agency called me and says, we'd like to have a video of how you walk up downstairs and because they're trying to structure up. Yeah. What do I look like? Who, yeah. who is this cat? And I said, cool. And I said, so patient says, well, where are you? And I said, well, I'm in Colorado. Where do you think I am? You know, <laughs> you know, she said, no, no, where exactly are you? And I said, well, I'm in Littleton. She said, well, the office is in Littleton. Nice. 
Well, there's a friend of ours that, that works for OMF that was a member of our church. And I got on the phone. I said, Brett, dude, I have a, a, a this guy wants to see a video of me. Can you come pick me up? <laughs> I said, well, dude, I'll be there tomorrow around 1130. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, I was a long ride. I'll, I'll, you know, yeah. be honored. I said, no, 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 I'm in Colorado. He's like, you are? I'm like, yeah, I'm 10 minutes away. And so he picks me up. And as we walk through the office, the doctor's like, I just sent a text <laughs> to you. you just, wow, this is weird. Yeah. He said, you know, we've been here. I've done this for 20 years. And I've never had a candidate walk through the door. Like, Yeah. And so Ta-da. you see these, yeah, <laughs> asking thou shall receive. Yeah. <laughs> right? And so you see the providence of yeah. God in these things and the sovereignty of God as you push and, and walk in faith. That's so cool. And so I'm excited. I yeah. really am. Patience is. And is it hard? It is. As you start to, to sell things and, and, and say, is Christ enough? Yeah. And so we say this in our churches, in our homes, and we sing the songs right. It's a whole lot different when you start putting it in totes. Yeah. Right? And so we make these yeah. jokes as we sing the song. And there's a song that, you know, I, I surrender all. Right. Right. And we, you know, I start singing, you know, we start singing in the group around the house. I surrender some. <laughs> I surrender. Not my Xbox, you know. Yeah, yeah. I can't let right, go of that. Right. I mean, that would be hard, you know. That was a, a, we had an interesting conversation, my wife and I, about full-time mission work in Kenya. Mm-hmm. And I started getting real, you know. And, um, but it was just one of those things where, I, I was scared. I was scared. I was gun. I didn't feel called and, and moved by the spirit to go to to be full time missionary in Kenya, and I was scared of it and just kind of processing it. Like, geez, the, the things you got to give up, the things you got to sell, the, the things you got to you know ask people back here to hold on to while you're gone for ever. You know, like all of that stuff just was scary. And we just kind of processed through it and got to that point where we were both like. Man, if he calls us, I mean, I've I've been to Kenya. I was trying to figure this out the other day. I think twelve or thirteen times, and it's You've got an address, huh? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, and there's I mean, even some permanence there. You know, we've we've worked with the same spot for the last seven years, and there's a community growing. We know them; they know us. It's, this is not like random. This is you know long term ministry. And we got to that point. I said, okay, if he says go, we'll go. Gulp. <laughs> yeah. But but then like it was almost immediately we sort of had this he's not saying go. Okay. So but again, I feel like my ministry has shifted to this point now where it's uh my job is to bring people from this church to go and see. Right. We mobilize, right? Yeah. The mission. And so as we search and seek and knock, right? And that's kind of one of the reasons why we looked at sending agencies like, I can't make this decision. Mm-hmm. I'm looking for it. So I'm going to give spiritual authority. I feel confident saying, I told you so. I do. I, I feel like I told you 
he was a better person than you, and then I feel like I was right. And I don't know you. And I'm still right. And I'm willing to bet you think I'm right, too. Because, dude, that that guy's amazing. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I hope to keep track of him. And um, right before he left, he's gonna, he said he's going to keep me updated through um, his sister and, and just kind of follow what he's doing. Because it's, it's going to be awesome. I just know it is. So... Yeah, great story, great time. Um, if you would like to follow me on social media, I do all the socials. Uh, I am at Luke underscore Tim on Twitter and at, I'm sorry, not at, just Luke underscore Tim on Instagram and uh, Luke Tim on Facebook. That's a thing I do. If you want to email me uh, topics for the show or questions or whatever, it is all the things with Luke Tim at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you guys. Um, and until next time, be good, boys and girls. 